Hello and welcome to another episode of the Life Capoeira. I'm very pleased to welcome our guest today, Professor Afabado from Capoeira Nago. Welcome. Hi, pleasure to be here. So I believe you began your Capoeira journey in 2008. How did that start and, and what kept you with Capoeira all this time? So my capoeira journey, I actually turned up to my first capoeira class thinking it was a music class. So I was, I read a book, I think many people will have read this from Brazilian author, The Alchemist, Paulo Coelho, very famous book. And I loved the book and I read another one called The Witch of Portobello, which is another one of his books. He's a Brazilian author. And in that, he talks about um, this African, Afro-Brazilian drumming and how they would, she would get herself into a trance and all of this kind of thing. And it sounded really interesting. So I was looking online, really researching Afro-Brazilian drumming and stumbled into the Atabaki and then stumbled into Capoeira as a class where I'd kind of seen photos of these drums and the bateria and decided, okay, I want to go and see what this is. And went to the class actually thinking it was a kind of music-y dance class type thing. And that was, that was my discovery of Capoeira. And it just it hooked me straight away because up until that point, I had some, I'd had a few hobbies that weirdly all were not very connected, but led me into capoeira. So when I was, you know, I grew up in London, when I was kind of 14, 15, like everyone does, you have a bit of rough and tumble. I wanted to learn some self-defense. So I'd ended up doing some self-defense training uh, with a kind of judo instructor. And he taught me bits of that. I also became really interested in dance music, particularly kind of drum and bass and garage. And that was around at the time. And I, I love feeling the beat. And then finally, I used to, um, I got into playing cards. And the funny thing about cards, particularly poker, is it's played in a circle. And back then, before it was very, now it's kind of mathematical and sophisticated. But back then, it was all about convincing the other person your intentions are not really your intentions. I've got good cards, but I've got bad cards. And this kind of thing. And weirdly, I just went to Capoeira and it was like all of my dreams have come through in one place. I'm like, wow, I can train martial arts and learn to defend myself in an environment that's sort of like a kind of rave dance music environment. And it has this trickery about it and slight deception and look the other way that isn't just pure kind of boxing force versus force. And I'm not, this wasn't then and still not the strongest, toughest guy. So a martial art that had that trickiness and ability to use our minds really appealed for me so it was like a I don't know it just it just clicked and that's how I got the name Afobado which means sort of flustered or overexcited because I was just I was so happy to be there every time but uh that was that was that's how it started fantastic yeah. and you've recently graduated to professor and um Goiania and yeah. Barana goes uh, how did that event go you got any sort of reflections and sort of take home lessons learned from it yeah, um, I think that, so this is a conversation I often have with, with my master and how I believe this, that for the start of Capoeira, when you begin your, your training, you stay within your school, your format, your philosophy, because you don't become confused. What I learned as I got older in Capoeira and did more traveling around Brazil was the striking difference between Capoeira and quite how diverse it is and how many different approaches to it there are. So. I went to Sao Paulo. I've been visiting Sao Paulo relatively regularly for the past six or seven years and experiencing the capoeira there. And then we went to Goiânia and, uh, you know, our event in Argo is just pure, pure energy. I kind of think of it as the stream drum and bass or gabba of, uh, of capoeira because we play now 
increasingly very, very fast, very short games. So the Capoeira Naga games might be, when we're playing our Salvento Granji, you know, 10 seconds, maybe less even, and really, really fast during bows. Really, really fast. And I think that's the other thing that you realize when you go to Brazil, that when we train Capoeira in the UK, we get fascinated by, certainly I did, by cool movements. And I, you know, I always wanted to learn ponchi and macaco and stuff when I started. And, you know, I know your master, Mester Primo, has been a big inspiration to me along the, along the way as well. They always kind of, they say it, don't they? They say, guys, this is all great, but really it's have a strong jinga, have your melo compasso, keep your hands in the right place. This is the fundamental that actually you should be spending 90% of your time training. And it's only when you go to Brazil to those kind of things that you just realize how true that is. And you see a capoeira that really is based on that. So it was an amazing event. I got to see my master, Mr. Bologar, become a, a master. So I've been with him. When I met him, he was the last, right at the end of being a graduado. So I've been training, what, 16 years-ish now. And he, you know, for him to become a master and me to become a professor at the same time was very special experience. And for Mr. Primo to come and join us there as well, because he's been a big reference in the UK and to come to Goiania as well. We, we had a really good time. Really, really good time. I'm pleased to hear it. You've talked about your travels around Brazil. You're a very well-traveled Capoeira. You've been around Europe and, and further afield internationally to the Nago events. Those travels must have given you a good insight to the different approaches taken to Capoeira. How do you find that things compare internationally to the capoeira scene in the UK? I think the beauty of London and or the capoeira scene in the UK generally is that there are so many groups and so many different lineages that have come here that we get to experience that diversity a lot more. Whereas, for example, I was in Oman in the Middle East recently, and there you had one capoeirista who's been there for 15 years. He's really the only capoeirista in Muscat, and he has his master and his lineage. And you see that the whole capoeira scene there is, is influenced by one particular style, one particular um, approach. And that's a great thing. And I think, but as you go to more remote places, you see more of that. And when you go, I mean, to an extent, is that must be the same in Cheltenham, where you were from, in that it's very, very him heavily influenced by Mester Primo and, and your school, right? Whereas in London, you have so many different things. And I think in Brazil, it's even more so. I mean, you have regional differences even within the same city in places like Sao Paulo and, and, um, and Rio de Janeiro. I've never been in Belo Horizonte, but I know there's a huge amount of capoeira there. I'm sure that's the, that's the same thing that would happen. Um, but what I've, what I've also seen is that different environments create a different philosophy of what capoeira means. So I think in, the, in places where you have maybe capoeira involved in universities or in a more political sense, I see people taking it more towards the kind of historic um, fight for justice, I suppose, or social values, which you know, is where our capoeira ultimately comes from. And they focus more on that side of things and see capoeira as a kind of artistic expression to push that forward. When you go to somewhere like Goiania, it's, it's still, it's very, very martial. And I think that environment still requires that. And it's a different approach. It's, it's you know, the interior of Brazil. And yeah, those would be some of the main differences that, that I've noticed within, within kind of contemporary capoeira, the little bit of street capoeira I've experienced. Nice. Yeah. And recently become a father, only 12 days. Yeah. How are you expecting that to sort of influence your capoeira going forward? 
I think it's going to draw me more towards capoeira, actually. It's funny that be becoming a father and becoming a professor at the same time, or very, very close together, it does give a different perspective on things. And I would hope that I can use capoeira more and more. as It is my, my therapy, my escape, my, my joy. I think the pandemic, for example, when many people came out of capoeira, I probably trained more during the pandemic than I've ever trained in my life because it became my switch off. You know, it was very clear at the start that I needed to have some good habits around how to deal with all of this. And I started to play the beer and bow every single day, just for 10, 15 minutes singing songs on my own as a kind of meditational way to zone out, um, training outdoors as much as possible, probably four or five times a week. And I hope that as I become a father and kind of big nights out with the friends and full day trips and stuff become less, you know, less possible, that that one hour that I might get on my own or to go to the gym, I can just put in my put in my headphones or play some capoeira music and use it as something good for the, the body and the mind and to de-stress and help me keep my patience, I suppose, with my, with my son. <laughs> Do you find the same thing? Yeah, it's, so when my first daughter came along, I was running a capoeira group in Chichester and that was basically my main training that I could get and the, the ability to sort of get away for events kind of sort of lessened and obviously the pandemic hit uh, but I'd already put the group on hiatus when my second daughter came along because it wasn't actually possible to sort of manage running a group and yeah. also being a, a father to a newborn and a, a two-year-old so then with the pandemic I got, I got an issue with my hip so now back into training and I'm hopeful that I can get a group running again each day as it comes and I think with Capoeira both my daughters have sort of come towards it which is nice in that you know when you're just sort of goofing around and playing around you'll you'll pull out an hour or or something and yeah. it will then sort of get entranced by that and enjoy sort of the beer and bow and um sometimes my youngest daughter would come to to class sometimes sometimes my wife just sort of needed a a, a break and then it's a case of either not running the class or just bringing Juno along and, and, and she loved that when she came to those to those classes as well so she's always sort of been around half aware and they've both really taken to it which is nice and um yeah it certainly changes your perspective on things sort of yeah. fatherhood in a way that it's hard to describe and i think i can understand now better when people say you don't understand something because you're not a parent or, or maybe something else how actually that kind of lived experience does make a difference to how you see and approach things yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the other thing that I, and you don't know what route your your kids might take in Capoeira. I'm, one of the things that was interesting to me as I've explored, uh, particularly within um, within within Brazil, and as, as you get older in Capoeira, I think, you know, when I became a graduado, I had a, I was trying to do everything. And I was trying to be everything and beating myself up a little bit. And I remember talking to my master and him saying, you know, becoming a graduado gives you the, the base level of, of, of everything you need. But now stop trying to copy everyone else and try and be everything and start to develop your own personality within it and kind of find yourself. And that, I think, is the journey between being a graduado and becoming ultimately becoming a professor and, and carrying on. And it's, that's, the, that's the amazing thing to see. So you see in now some harders where some of the most amazing 
singers and Burren Bow players. They're, these are the guys you want to hear. They set the harder an energy in a way you can't imagine. They don't actually play that much. And people go down that route. There's people who become very specialist in the in the ritualization and the history and write books and music. And and to me, that's that's the beauty of Capoeira. And interestingly, you asked about Goiania before. Um, our master of our whole group, um, Mr. Pekinese, who, who founded Capoeira Nago, he now lives in Miami with another master in our group, uh, Mr. Andre, who originally kind of led our group in the US. And Mr. Andre is a former UFC fighter, fought with John Jones, was part of a big MMA league in the US with Renzo Gracie and was very successful. And within Miami now, you have a lot of um, MMA gyms. And what we've seen is more integration of capoeira and kind of wider martial arts applications of it was a feature, a big feature of our event this time, which was something I hadn't seen before, actually. We even had a, uh, Cesar Mutanchi came and gave a workshop at our event, and he's an MMA fighter with a background in capoeira. So that was quite good to see, and more and more of the the high levels in our group are are you know learning jujitsu. We've got people coming in who are already high level martial artists in 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 other martial arts. It's cool to see. That's a it's, it's a different route. It's, it's it doesn't exist as much in London that mentality, but it's definitely becoming a feature of the group and a big feature in in the US. Well, I think that's one of the things is so broad, and certainly when I ran a group, uh, I'd be open with the students to say, you know, and teaching. Cap- aware here but this isn't a self-defense system as such it's yeah. like it's not specific self-defense it may help you a bit because just improving your physicality and your fitness helps you 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 carry yourself a bit differently i suppose you look maybe less like somebody that uh, somebody would want to pick on but uh, and then likewise you know can we use it in a fight and it's like well i'll talk about the martial applications uh but there's not that kind of aliveness that other groups may necessarily have with their training, which, uh, which is fine. It's why I like to teach with, and no, sorry, teach and learn with a range of different teachers because they have those different approaches. You know, are they focusing on the florets? Are they focusing on the martial side? Are they focusing on the philosophy, the history, the music? And and there's all those elements. And I think our responsibility as teachers is, as you say, we will walk our own path within Capoeira, is to let our students know of all these different avenues and branches that they can take and to give them the seeds to potentially develop themselves if there's a route that they want to take that you haven't traveled as far that makes sense it, it makes perfect sense in fact professor guerrero is actually now contramester guerrero in our group hasn't taken his belt just yet but uh, he said to me that capoeira is a survival mechanism and that when you think of it as a survival mechanism that has different applications in lots of different environments you know i say to I say to my to my students sometimes that you know I apply a lot of capoeira now even in my own my own house as as I've just had a kid and I've had a pregnant wife for all this time I think when I started capoeira if if I was poked my initial instinct was to poke back you know someone someone gave me a fantasia hastera or got my ankle or something I'm str- I can't wait to come back and try the hastera or martello that was my mentality and as you get more kind of experienced you realize that that's never going to work. It definitely won't work against the higher level who's expecting it. And actually, sometimes when someone pokes you or challenges you, the correct answer is big smile, some kind of something that looks like a foyer but has its events within it. Bring the motion down. Pick your timing, malandrage, in a different way. 
And I think that's applicable in so many scenarios in life. To me, that's a great, a great patience that I'm trying to learn is, is to not bite on things. That can be the with your boss at work. It can be in any kind of other environment. And I think that's something that's pretty amazing in Brazilian culture. But I've noticed capoeiristas, a lot of capoeiristas, when you can see they get into these tricky situations, their immediate reaction is smile, start telling jokes, start trying to diffuse it. It doesn't mean they're not looking to counter at some point, but it doesn't have that very kind of, you know, boxing mentality of, right, okay, you've poked me, here we go. And I think that's something really special about capoeira that can be applied in life. Tony, you should say that. I'm a science teacher by day and I was helping out a geography field trip. And so we're in town centre. There was this drunk guy who came up and he was one fake, some of the worksheets from some of the students. And so because we were just assembling all in the town centre. And so I just basically said no. And he was clearly drunk. He was aggressive. And essentially it was all about sort of diffusing it and not rising was, I think, trying to make. He also looked like he'd, he'd been beaten up fairly recently. He had a black eye, looked like it might have been broken. Um, so it looked like obviously he has been in fights. He was very aware of that. I was very aware of the fact that he was carrying a bottle, so he's armed effectively. But there wasn't any violence. It was just about just staying calm and chilled and just saying, well, actually, no, these are the students' worksheets. Um, and essentially, I didn't rise to that bait. And I can remember then the students saying, oh, I thought you were going to do your capoeira there. And I was just like, well, why? It doesn't need to get violent. And it's... Just you know, did. I think you just did work. I'm thinking about those things, and and what I then did is having resolved the immediate issue of this drunk man. I then directed we because we had just assembled a sort of muster point, just a landmark. I just said we're going to go and wait over there on the other side of the street, and then um, just kept my even ended up cycling off on his bike, and it's it's that confidence that I think that you can sort of get and and. and so now that's like even telling class. But I think if you're if you're wanting to train for self-defense, then you need more than just the martial arts. You need to be thinking about, you know, what's the law in the country that you are in in terms of, of using violence. Also, if you're getting to violence and things have gone wrong, like 90% plus, I think, should be about that situational awareness, that sort of victim blame or anything like that. But just... Absolutely. And then that, that was, sorry, that I'm going to come through. I think that's one of the other amazing things about Capoeira when you compare it to you know, my brother is a jiu-jitsu black belt and that has a very codified set of rules. It's broadly the same, the style's different, but the rules are the same everywhere you go. It's a tournament, it's that kind of thing. I think as a Capoeirista, you are taught, I mean, I was certainly taught this almost kind of right at the beginning of my, of my training was you master. Every school is going to have a different system a different way of setting things up, different responses to different things. And you need to go in there and first have a very broad assessment of the situation, understand what's going on. Don't just dive in before you understand the circumstances. And some things that might look one way are actually different. You know, I had this interesting conversation with someone the other day. I was in the, I was in the US in a, in a, this is, this is a few years ago, in a school where, in our school, if someone does say a, an armada and you show a strong martello but you you obviously miss their head and they skeeve underneath it that is part of the game that is our training but if you were to show a even gently show a galopanchi that could be a little bit interpreted in a different way 
Now in the US at this particular school, showing the martello the way I did that was normal to my training actually escalated the situation in a way that I wasn't expecting because over there, they don't use that. And I remember the teacher saying to me afterwards, he's a, he's a contumester there saying, you know, in our school, we only use martello really to get someone. So you either hit them with it as it's an aggressive movement that we use, but we don't use martellos in nice games when we're throwing round kicks. Now, you know, these are the kind of things that then you come home, someone, someone hits you back, and especially when you're younger, you know, what did I do? How did I offend someone? And you have to, you have, to have that sense. And I think Capoeira, both in a, in a listening, because you have to listen to what the batter is saying, what the songs are, are telling you to do, the rhythm and the spatial awareness that it gives you just from the nature of how fast and dynamic it is means that you go into every situation with a, yeah, with a, with a starting point of let me just soak up how things work here. Let me not necessarily impose my model on this. And we have to have that diversity within our game and different modes for different places. I think that's a lesson in life, right? Maybe if you work with, maybe if you work with your, uh, your students from your universe, from your, from, your, from your class, your science students, but you were with a, another couple of capoeiristas and it was just adults, you might have selected to handle that situation, not get into a fight, but handle it in a more assertive way. You never know, right? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, just being adults and he was getting out of me, I just way. <laughs> to be able to be uh, able to chase after me that might well so with your professor order have you got any goals obviously you're going to be integrating being father into your capoeira but what do you have a roadmap do you have yeah. things come along yeah, there's a few things so i've um i've started writing music which i hadn't done before i mean i'd written a few basic corridos but now i'm writing more music and that's something that I'm really, really enjoying. Telling stories about um, you know, my experiences in Capoeira and, and, and writing about things that I've studied and things that are interesting to me. So, you know, I sing those for myself and within my, 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 uh, my classes and my group, but I want to continue to do that because that's a side I really enjoyed. And is a, as I mentioned, one of the key reasons I got into it. I think the other thing that I, us as, um, non-Brazilians who found Capoeira later in life. How, how, how old were you when you found Capoeira? I, it was 2008 in the summer, so I would have been 26. Okay, yeah, so I was 20, and we started at the same time, though. I was 23, I think, at the time. But coming into it a bit later, as we get, you know, you have a job, I have a, an office-based job, I'm interested in how we adapt our training to deal with the fact that we are now getting older, that we have a lifestyle that isn't in a hot country, that isn't just capoeira all day and, and maintaining it. Because I see now a lot of, and this was something, again, I noticed in traveling around Brazil, you know, you see these amazing capoeiristas in their mid fifties and sixties. And I watch them do even older um, and you watch them do their kicks. And I obviously think, wow, this is, this is so smooth. Their, their technique is so clean because they've taken a lot of the, um, they focused on it. They've taken the kinks out. They've got good habits around stretching, mobility, and these kind of things. And then I see another thing happening a lot in Capoeira at the moment of people forcing it, forcing the continuous training in a way that maybe is working against their body sometimes, trying to go in a different in a, and maintain a different direction. And it's leading to injuries. It's leading to problems. People my age, you mentioned, you know, I've had my injuries as well, but. I see people now who've had, you know, operations in both knees, in the hip, you know, they go, this shoulder doesn't go this way and my neck only goes halfway that way. And 
this is not what capoeira is supposed to be doing to our bodies, right? And um, I think understanding training methods that allow us to continue to develop our capoeira in a way that works with our body, with our lifestyle, with our families, with our physical and mental health, that to me is something I'm really interested in now, really interested in. And, and there's, there's quite a, a large movement of people who are thinking the same way. And I don't I'm not going to mention his name because it's not it's not fair on this, but I recently had the benefit of doing a weekend workshop with someone who'd been sort of four times world champion within one of the major capoeira groups, who is now in his fifties, and this guy has achieved a huge amount that can be achieved. He's not from capoeira now, but within capoeira, and you know he he was saying to to us how actually he beat up his body a lot at that time. He had to relearn a way of engaging with capoeira in a different way. He missed out on certain things to do with his family, his finances, other things. And now his, his mission in capoeira, he's a, been a master for more than 10 years, is to teach the next generation of capoeiristas how to balance everything. Because he said, I want you playing beautiful capoeira in your 70s, not at the expense of your family or, or your job, and particularly in the UK. So that's something I'm really excited about. And, um, and my own capoeira more music, travel more, learn different, learn from as many people as possible, explore different types of capoeira, explore more of the history of it. You know, I've, I've become, I don't know about, about you, but when I, another thing, when I started capoeira for the first three, four years, if we had to do a class of makulele or pushada jeheja, I was just like, oh God, can we just get this done? I want to get on with the training, right? These were not my favorite classes. And now you get to a point where actually those stuff really interests me. So, that's the thing and keep expanding the classes keep pre presenting different different options i think in london we're particularly in london i know you're in chichester but in london you know on a saturday morning you have like 10 12 different places you can go and train capoeira and we have um, amazing teachers in in all kind of different areas of it with different focuses so i've, I've kind of found my my lane and i want to continue to develop that brilliant the last question, as ever, is what is capoeira? What is capoeira? You know, it's funny, I mentioned I've just got my professor belt and this is the hardest question you've asked me in this whole podcast. What is capoeira? So that, that's the, the very interesting question. To me, capoeira is, and I, what I said before, a method of survival or a survival mechanism. And that can mean when physically challenged, we have the skills to defend ourselves. That can be the psychological strength to break through from any oppression, you know, like the history of Capoeira has. I think a survival mechanism in other ways in that I still think when the, the slaves would play Capoeira, having toiled hard and worked hard so, so much all day in whatever jobs they were doing, as, as slaves, there's a joy in the harder that you train, but you also have the counterbalance, the escape from all the stress of life. And I think that stress of life can get on top of people and does get on top of lots of people, as we know, in this country and elsewhere. So the ability to come to the harder and feel that joy, the music, people being together and the uplifting that gives you, I think that is a survival mecha mechanism in itself from a kind of mental perspective. I think it's a physical survival mechanism for our own bodies. It's interesting now they say the biggest disease is, is sitting. People sat all day 
you know, ending up with lower back problems and all of this. It's amazing how practicing balancing in your cadera for three, four minutes here and there every day just seems to build strength in the glutes and the lower back. That means that, you know, we get capoeiristas definitely have less back problems than the, the average population who, who doesn't do that. There's a lot of things in capoeira that are very good for longevity of the body, very good for circulation, very good for immunity, all the rest of it. And finally, when you move countries even, you know, I think you know this Kung Fu and many of our teachers have experienced this. If you go to another country and you arrive as a capoeirista, you know, we might come as economic migrants. My parents came to this country as economic migrants. We go somewhere else as a capoeirista. You plug into a community immediately and you know you'll find friends. You know there'll be someone who will offer you a place to stay, some food. There's probably someone in the capoeira network who can help find you a job. And you can turn up anywhere where there's capoeira as a capoeirista. And the friendship and the networks that, that come as a result are also a method of survival. So I, this is why I think capoeira is so special. This is why I love it so much, because that spirit we have of capoeira, that things we learn from capoeira that we apply in all parts of our life and the opportunities capoeira gives us is the ultimate opportunity for survival in any circumstances. And I think that's what makes capoeira so special. So you asked me the question, it's a long answer, I know, what is capoeira? But to me, capoeira is a method for survival, whatever you might face in life. Thank you. So just before we wrap up, are there any closing thoughts or comments you'd like to share with the listeners? No, just um, anyone who, I think when you, when you go to capoeira, it can be intimidating to start with. I, I didn't enjoy the harders for quite a long time when I started training months, I would say before months, maybe even a, a year or two before I would say I enjoyed the harder more than this was like a stressful thing that I had to do at the end of class to try and show off or try and practice what we've been learning. Uh, but push through. Don't let anyone say that because you're not Brazilian, because you're a certain body type, because you're not fast or you're too big or too small that that you can't be something in capoeira. My master has always said, capoeira is for who trains, capoeira is for who loves it. And believe in yourself. People, you know, there's people will push you. People might bully you, take the mickey out of you. That's part of how capoeira works, especially at the start when they send you in the wrong direction and then you find your bum on the floor. But don't be disheartened. This is part of the process. And where it will take you in life is something that is very, very special. So keep it up. And final thing, enjoy capoeira. Enjoy it. So many people I know, or we see now, I see come to capoeira stressed. You know, they try a movement and they, they, they fail in that movement and they swear at themselves. What am I doing? No, you know, enjoy it. Smile. It didn't work that time. Do it again. Enjoy your training because that's what's going to keep you coming back and that's what's going to give you the ashe that's going to be make your capoeira special in the long term. That would be my final thing. Thank you. So just a little personal thing from me, as you might have heard last episode, I've got an event on in at the end of January uh, to celebrate my birthday. It's in memory of my mum, all money after costs is going to be going to Blood Cancer UK and you can take part wherever you are in the world as long as you've got internet access. The event will start with a lesson from Mestre Primo streamed live from Bella Rosanche. If you're in Chichester, we'll project that on the wall. Otherwise, you can buy tickets to, to get access to that, that streamed lesson. And following that, we will then have a workshop with Mestre Fantasma. 
and then the day will conclude with a hodder and that's going to include a batazade for my daughters. So it'd be lovely if you can make it. The details are below in the description. And as ever, you can always reach us through the lifecapoeira at gmail.com and we are on Facebook and Instagram. And I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a good Christmas or whatever else it is that you celebrate around this time of year, whatever your faith or none. I hope you have a lovely restful time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Until next, ciao. Ciao. ciao.